Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Connect on blogtalkradio.com. Catch us on the web at umconnect.info. Well, welcome to this latest episode of Connect. I'm Michael Rich, the Web and Communications Manager for the Western North Carolina Conference. Our guest this morning is Julia Trantham, who's serving as a deacon with Cullowee and Speedwell United Methodist Churches in Jackson County, North Carolina. She's a 2013 graduate of Duke Divinity School and grew up in Haywood County, North Carolina. So welcome to the show, Julia. Thanks, Mike. I'm glad to be here. Well, it's good to have you here. And so let's uh, just start at the beginning. Where, where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? And how did all this happen? I grew up in Clyde, North Carolina, which is a small town about five minutes from Lake Junaluska. And I grew up in Canton Central United Methodist Church. And when I graduated high school from Pisgah, I went to UNC Chapel Hill and I majored in English and minored in creative writing. I did poetry. <laughs> and then once I graduated from UNC, I went straight over to Duke Div for seminary. Okay. So there's those uh, rivalries yeah. within you, but I know you're a Carolina fan. I am a Tar Heel forever mm-hmm. and always. Oh, well. <laughs> we'll let you We'll let you get by with that today. Thank you. But um, yeah, so I, I attend Canton uh, Central these days, and so know your mom and dad, and yeah. they sit in the pew behind me usually. And, um, and so uh, what was it like growing up in that congregation? It was wonderful. They were so nurturing, so loving. They really empowered children and youth to be a part of it. I was able to preach when I was 16 years old. And I also had a really wonderful youth minister who was in seminary at the time while she was serving at Canton. And she allowed us to ask really hard questions and struggle with things and kind of create our own theology. So I was able to begin thinking about God in a way of my own from a very young age. And then when I became a teenager, David Christie was our minister, and he was really wonderful as I was beginning to feel a call into ministry to mentor me, and I got to intern at the church during the summers and things like that. Um, So it was really supportive and beautiful, and I am so grateful that I was able to grow up in that church. Yeah, it is an exciting church, and and now uh, the number of children that are there, it's unbelievable. Babies being born every week, it's like a a bizarre thing. I know. Uh, I go and I don't know as many people, and that's wonderful. I'm so excited that it's growing like it is. It is a uh, a very vital place to be. So tell us about your call to ministry. How did that all happen? Obviously, if you're preaching at 16 in a <laughs> congregation, you might have heard it early, but tell us uh, uh, about your call. My parents say they could see it trending early in me. Um, when I was a teenager, the thing I loved most was going on mission trips and getting to know people who are different than me and living in different cultures than me, but also seeing God working in these places. And I love just building relationships with people and showing them love and caring for them. And so that carried me through. And I thought for a while I might want to be a missionary. And then I went on the Scandinavian Caravan, which is a exchange program sponsored through this conference mm-hmm. um, when I was 19 after my freshman year at UNC. And while I was in Finland, in Umiarvi, Finland, sitting by a lake journaling, I felt God calling me into the ministry. And so that night I shared it with the group I was with, and they were completely affirming, and they put hands on me and prayed over me. And that's when I knew that this was the path God was calling me to. Okay. So uh, where were some of the mission uh, trips or uh, places that you went while you were in high school? 
We went to Maine one year, a small town. We went to New Orleans. We went to the Wind River Indian Reservation in Wyoming, and we also went to Anchorage, Alaska. Wow. Yes, I got to see a lot of different places. Yeah, so being there now, and I, you know, I've been there about three years in that uh, congregation, so they uh, go to Honduras, so right. it's one of the places they go now, yes. and uh, they have been to uh, Haywood Street Ministry mm-hmm. a couple of uh, summers, and and so it is amazing. I When you go on a mission trip as a youth, it is uh, very impacting. Mm-hmm. Uh, my own call to ministry happened when I was in Costa Rica. Yeah. So um, it's the kind of thing that making those uh, kinds of connections and, and being out of your comfort zone has exactly. a way of doing that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you went, got an English degree. I did. So uh, you were one of those students that was destined for Starbucks. Uh, <laughs> yes, spent a lot of time at Starbucks with coffee writing. <laughs> yeah, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about all of my, my liberal arts friends. I do have a, a, a an English major friend from college who's actually making big money, but she had really? to, yeah, she uh, ended up in sales uh, wow. in, in a, uh, a military complex kind of thing. Wow. But I'm thinking, how did that work? And, I know. Well, she got to write grants. That was what she Oh, did. yeah, that's a big and, deal. Uh, so she's making big money now, but most of my English major friends uh, are finding other ways to do work. You go to graduate school. Yes, and, you pretty much have to go to graduate school. And so you ended up um, finishing at Carolina, going to Duke. Mm -hmm. Did you know when you went there that uh, you're going the deacon's order route? I did. I always felt that I was called to deacon's orders. And when I was in college interning at Canton Central with David, he allowed me to explore both. So I did pastoral visits and hospital visits and preaching and things like that. But I also worked as an interim one summer between the Helen West Minister of Discipleship, the position was Mm -hmm. changing between people. So I worked as that and got to see like a Christian ed perspective and children's and youth ministry. And I always just felt called to deacon's orders. And I really feel passionate about the compassion and justice components Mm because I've always felt called to love people and care for people that most people turn a blind eye to. So it was, I did like explore it, but I've always felt more called to deacon's orders. Very cool. Uh, so um, now I, I look back at uh, that, and uh, I had my own crises in ministry in the early days. I uh, started out doing youth ministry, mm-hmm. um, and I thought, ah, I don't think that uh, I really need to go on and do elders' orders. And I spent years just churning, waiting um, for uh, the change that actually happened after I had become a an elder, but you know I think uh, we were just floundering for years, figuring out what it meant to be uh, a permanent deacon of sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, other denominations have it, um, the Episcopal Church, the Roman Catholic, the Lutherans. Uh, we didn't have it for years. Right. You became a deacon, then you became an elder. Yeah. Um, or you could be a diaconal minister back in the time. There, there was no real clear path. Right. So. What do you think is the most appealing thing about uh, deacon's orders to you? I think it's being able to be a bridge between the church and the world. I love Christian education and spiritual formation and teaching people how to live out this faith that they're professing 
Um, but I also think the bridge is a two-way street, so I do a lot of time spending time in the community, building relationships and bringing youth and children and other people into our church and teaching them the story and having them a safe and loving space to be. So I really love that. And I also love that I will always be on a staff or on a team. And so there will be collaboration mm. because I think we're better when we are able to bring all of our gifts together um, than when we are alone. And so I think that amazing kingdom work can happen when we all bring our different focuses and passions and gifts together. And I really love that. Now, one of the things about Deacon's Orders, um, you're under appointment, but yes. uh, you also find your own job. Yes. Um, tell me, uh, how does that look? I mean, I think that there's um, advantages to both. Yes. Um, but um, does that appeal to you, the thing that, you know, for the rest of your days as a deacon in the church, you're going to have to carve out your own position, basically? Yes, it it is appealing to me because I really want to make roots in places. So I'm glad that I can stay for a more extended period of time to do that and also kind of have options to look at what you think will be the best fit for you. Hmm. Um, so I think that it's definitely an asset, especially for deacons who want to stay in a place a long time to build roots and build community relationships. So your first appointment out of seminary, you end up 25 miles from yes. your hometown. <laughs> How did you work that out? I know. I was so excited. I never thought it would happen because I knew that if I was going to get a job in a church, that it would have to be one large enough to have staff. And a lot of churches in the Smoky Mountain District don't have staff. And so it was a huge surprise to me. I thought I would end up in a larger city downstate. Um, but as this graduation was approaching, Amy Coles encouraged me to apply for associate positions. So I got my name in the system that way. And David Reeves contacted me, and they were looking for a deacon to come to Cullowee who was passionate about Christian ed and worship and mission and outreach. And also they were looking for someone to try to help share resources with smaller churches in the community and help revitalize them. And so he came to visit me at Duke, and then I went to Cullowee and interviewed and interviewed a couple other places, but Cullowee just felt like home. And my three passions are Christian education, spiritual formation, outreach, and worship planning and leading. So it just felt like the perfect fit. And I was also really excited to be back in my mountains because I love them so much. And as much as I loved being in the triangle, I was ready to come back home a little bit. I understand that. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and talk real specifically about Cullowee and your ministry there. Um, but for a moment, let's uh, hear from Sally Queen, who is on our conference staff. My name is Sally Queen, and I'm the Associate Director of Ministerial Services. By virtue of our baptism, we are all called into ministry. This call is being faithfully lived out in the communities of Western North Carolina as people of all ages participate in building God's kingdom. Others are responding to God's call to license or ordain ministry by committing to faithfully lead our churches in vitality. All who are called are using their talents and gifts to follow Jesus, make disciples, and transform the world. The United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina is a ministry of the church for the church whose mission is to build the church for generations to come. We fulfill this vision by investing in people as well as helping churches and related institutions invest the financial resources that God has given to them. My name is David Snipes, and we look forward to the day when you give your United Methodist Foundation a call. 
And you can find out more about the United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina at the sponsor page on the show's website, which is umconnect.info. Uh, so we're back now with Julia Trantham, and uh, we're going to talk about Cullowhee. And she whispered during the break about Sally Queen being from that Cullowhee church. Yes, and her parents still go there. Well, so. isn't that fascinating? Yes. <laughs> yeah, there there have been a number of people in my life that have um, come out of the Cullowhee church uh, I don't know if they still talk about John Boggs there. Yes, they do. And John was the senior pastor there when he was in his 30s, mm-hmm. and he was moved from there to Long's Chapel. Yes. And I was already at Long's Chapel uh, working with the youth, and Frank Grice was my senior, and um, he moved on and uh, I think moved to Kernersville. And John Boggs moved in, and he might have been 38 years old, and I was early 30s. And we are probably the youngest senior pastor, uh, associate pastor team in the conference. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of fun. And um, and John uh, always has a lot of fun in his wake. And um, it's the kind of thing that uh, uh, you either love him or hate him, but most people love him. You know, I love him. Kind of, We're on Potter's Touch together. I yeah. enjoy spending time with John. He's the kind of guy that uh, is always full of ideas and always uh, – you know, willing to just explore things. And he was doing that at Cullowee big time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know that they uh, they think fondly of him. So um, we talked a little bit about how that happened and David Reeves. Now, what is it like working with David Reeves? Oh my gosh, it's wonderful. And we have a funny Haywood County connection. And he went to high school with my mother oh, and wow. knew my family when he was in Maggie. My grandparents owned the only gas station in Maggie Valley. So it was really funny to get to work with him with our history. Um, but it's really wonderful. He treats me with respect and as an equal, which is a huge deal because that doesn't always happen between deacons and elders in settings. And he is grateful for my gifts and we work together really well and we just have big visions and dream together and work really hard to do God's work in Cullowee. Yeah, David, I I probably would like to get him on the show, but I don't know if he would ever come. (laughs) He might. Just have to ask. But it's the kind of thing he... (laughs) He uh, was serving at Maggie Valley mm-hmm. when I was an associate here in at Long's Chapel. Yes. That was many moons ago, mm-hmm. and he stayed forever, it he seems. He did. He's only had two appointments. And, um, you know, he'll retire probably from Cullowee. More than likely, yeah. And um, it's kind of thing that, you know, to, to meet him is an amazing thing because he's a country boy. He's from, you know, the sticks of Haywood County. Mm-hmm. Crabtree. Crabtree. <laughs> And just uh, has this fascinating uh, way of doing things. He was also uh, really big into um, uh, EMS yes. when he was here. Is he doing that over there now? He doesn't do that, but he teaches a class at Western for like first aid. Okay. So he's continuing it a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So um, tell us more about the job and the specifics. What What does it look like day to day to be the deacon at Cullowee United Methodist Church? Well, my title is Minister of Education and Spiritual Development, so I spend a lot of time with Christian Ed. I teach three small groups during the week as well as a Sunday school class. I team teach that, so I spend a lot of time prepping for those things and teaching them. I am in charge of our We Wednesday programming, so we have a dinner, and so I coordinate all of the food and make sure all the helpers are set up, um, as well as teach a small group after the dinner. 
and we're doing a creative writing group this year, this semester, and it's really fun. I really enjoyed that. Um, I also work with the Wesley Foundation quite a bit. I try to go once a month at least to their worship on Thursday nights. I also speak once or twice a semester there, and I lead their women's group. Hmm. Um, and I, for worship, I am the liturgist, so I coordinate all of that. I do um, the children's message, and I also am part of the hospitality team, so I make sure we have greeters and are following up with our visitors. I also get to preach once a month, and I've also, last semester, I was able to do a sermon series, and so I'm hoping to do another one in the spring um, with that. And we go on Sunday mornings, we have three worship services, two at Cullowee and one in the middle at 10 o'clock at Speedwell. So we go back and forth, and I go to all of those. Um, and, and so David and, and you both go yes. to Speedwell. It's not that far. but It's not. It's five minutes. But yeah. um, it is something to stop in the middle of the the day, go somewhere else, and then come back. Yes, it's a lot of running, and I do miss being able to talk to people after the worship service. Um, yeah. but so it, how does that happen work with Sunday school? I teach Sunday, so I team teach, and when I'm not there, I leave and then um, to go to Speedwell, and then when I'm teaching Sunday school, David goes alone. Um, so we are thankful to have lay people who have background in seminary education who right. are leading that, and I, am, I make sure that they're curriculum is all good um but then we have those people are responsible for teaching so we uh, rely on lay people a lot yeah so you know there are a lot of uh, teams that have three services within our conference yes there are very few teams that go to two different churches <laughs> right. uh, for those three services and so uh, that is an interesting thing when you first started out you were also uh, you were working with aaron williams over yes. at love's chapel in webster yes and uh, Aaron was on the show back in May. And, oh, wonderful. And so um, I know that that was an interesting time because I had served those churches part-time mm-hmm. uh, when I was working at Southwestern Community College. And, um, you know, interesting community. Um, and it's different. You know, Cullowee wouldn't be considered a city church. No, not at all. <laughs> it, it's very much in a rural community, but it's a college community. Very different than anything else in the Smoky Mountain District. Um, and you've got uh, those two little churches in Silva and Speedwell, basically rural small churches. Right. Um, how does that flavor, you know, work with you? I mean, uh, as a um, seminary student, did you go and serve as a Duke student in any smaller community like that? I had one field education placement in Welcome, North Carolina. Okay. So I did have some. Um, background in that, and then growing up in Haywood County, of course, having more rural experience. So yeah. it was... Uh, Canton Central, it's the big downtown church. Oh, yeah, but it's still rural. Right. I don't care who you're talking to. <laughs> yeah, the big downtown church on the hill. <laughs> yes, the light on the hill. But, um, yeah, it, it's a fascinating thing, uh, you know, to run into anybody mm-hmm. who has deacon's orders that has any kind of passion for the small rural church. Most of them are working in large staff situations, but you know, in your case, you are working in, in the midst of quote rural churches. Yes. And I'm just, I'm so excited. The possibilities of revitalization and sharing resources and coming up with new ways to try to figure out how to grow these rural churches, because that is really where my heart is for sure. Very cool. Now you got to speak, um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, mm-hmm. the bishops were here at Lake Genalaska, yes. 
And it's not very often that a young deacon in their 20s gets to speak to the bishop. Yes. <laughs> and um, what did you tell them? I was invited by Bishop Goodpastor to share about Culloway's at-risk youth summer camp, which we call Matthew 25. And so I told them about what that program is like, how it came to be. Uh, we have two people in our church who work with DSS, and one is a teacher at the Hub, which is the alternative school in our community. And their population they worked with had a lot of resources and programs during the school year, but in the summer they stopped. And so these kids were stuck in these really difficult home environments and had all the time in the world to get themselves into trouble. And so they just came to us to see if our church could provide a safe space where they could be cared for and loved and taught. And so I was able to share about that ministry with the bishops. Okay. Now, um, I, and I don't want to get into any, anything private, but you did tell a story about one particular kid. Cause yes. Because Bishop Goodpastor came in and told me this. Oh, goodness, yes. I'm happy to tell that story. Please. So one day, we didn't know if our camp was two days a week during July, and we didn't know if those two days would ever make a difference in these kids' lives because they face such intense obstacles. Um, but one day after we had eaten pizza and gone bowling, I was driving home our youngest camper, and we were talking and laughing, and then suddenly he grew silent. And then he looked at me and said, if you all had not been my friends this summer, I probably would have tried to kill myself again. Mm. And it was in that moment that I realized the power that Jesus' love had to begin healing these children mm. and transforming their lives. Very cool. Yeah. It's not often that we know that ministry is doing really serious work. No. That is. Yeah. That was definitely a fruit that would be, I was able to see, and I knew I was on holy ground in that moment. It was amazing, and I still can barely talk about it without tearing up after yeah. two years. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty amazing story. And you know, it, it impacted our bishop because uh, he was here for a meeting uh, later that week, and you know, he comes in and, you know, we're just standing around. He says, you need to hear this story. So that was when I called you and said, I need to get her <laughs> on this radio show so she can tell this story. Yes. It, Matthew 25 is the hardest thing I've ever done in ministry, but it's the most beautiful and rewarding thing. And we're so grateful to meet a need in our community. And um, it really speaks to me. I worked at Edward Children's Home um, for one field education in Columbia, South Carolina. And being an advocate for at-risk youth and caring for them is a huge passion for mm. me and something that I am very carry on my heart. So. Well, and it shows, and it is an amazing, amazing thing when churches are dealing with the least and the lost of our communities and not only can it transform their lives, it can transform the church. Oh, absolutely, and it has. And that's one amazing thing. After two years, some of our at-risk youth are beginning to come to church and to youth group regularly and to see the church embracing them and going the extra mile to care for them. And transportation is a huge barrier, and people are taking them home and picking them up and sponsoring them to go on trips and things. It's been an amazing thing to watch grow. Cool. Well, um, you had mentioned you know, one of your... Uh, pieces of work was working with the Wesley Foundation. Yes. Um, 
tell, tell me a little bit about that. You were probably very involved in the Wesley Foundation at UNC Chapel Hill. I actually wasn't. Okay. No, but I really enjoy being a part of the Wesley Foundation at Western, and Jay does an amazing job with it. Um, he asked me to come to be, since I'm young and female, and to be a mentor to the women's group, and I just love worshiping with them and being able to speak and be a part of their group. And I went this past semester to Guatemala with them and was an adult chaperone on their mission trip. And we worked together in the woodlot and they come to our We Wednesday meal. And I I think it's so awesome how permeable Kaluuya Church and the Wesley Foundation are. We really work together as kind of one being. Yeah, it is a fascinating thing. And I, you know, I've been observing that for years, having been you know, youth director here at Lake Genalaska, um, you'd often go over to Cullowee and uh, Wesley Foundation would be doing something for the district and mm-hmm. they would be serving the district and they'd be serving out of that church. And it was like hardly that you didn't know how the two were separated. They are. They are. But at the same time, they're they're very much together and it's a different thing. And you keep mentioning We Wednesday. And yeah. for our listeners, they need to know that <laughs> We is something you see on bumper stickers all over this part of the world. W-H-E-E. Yes, color We. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's one of those things. If, you, if you're not from around here, you don't know what that right. We means. Right. But, uh, it is very interesting to uh, see that at work. And uh, I think of that college as being you really have to want to go there. And more and more students are finding their way there. I mean, it's a very popular school. Yes, people come just, from all over. Yeah. They just reached 10,000 students last year. And that's almost insane. I know it is. Um, I, I think in, in my early days, I can remember maybe 5,000 students. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people that I've worked with here in this area can remember going there when it was 3,000 students. Mm-hmm. And so to think of 10 and um, and there is nothing in Kaluuya but that school. Um, uh, and then, yep. you know, you could go to Silva, but you're not getting very far to anything. No, but there's a Dunkin', so there we can all There is a Dunkin' live. Donuts, that's right. <laughs> we can make it. <laughs> yeah, the Dunkin' Donuts is fairly new. It is. <laughs> and it's very busy. Yes. You know, when I, uh, it wasn't there when I was working over at the community college. Right. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, um that community is just amazing. My son, he actually called in the middle of this program, and so I'm going to talk to him in a little bit and find out how he did on his GREs. He took those yeah, this morning. Yeah, wow. But uh, it's the kind of thing that he chose Boone, which is mm-hmm. another one of those places you really want to go to. Right. Um, you know, it's not the easiest place to get to, and once you get there, um, it has more in town than Cullowee will ever have. Right. But, you know, you have 16,000 students, they leave, and the town doesn't have much. Yes, and same way. <laughs> same way in Cullowee. Same way. And uh, yeah, I'm always amazed at the church on Sunday in the middle of the summer. There's still a lot of people. Yes, there are. We do lose almost half of people in summers and during breaks, but there's still a good amount of locals and natives that stick around. All right. So we've got a few minutes left in the show. This is your opportunity to preach. What else do you want to tell the audience today? Oh, goodness, preach. Um, I also wanted to talk about the middle school youth group. I'm the middle school youth minister, and that's a huge and important part of my ministry. Um, And when I got there, 
it was a very small group of kids, and we've re worked really hard the past two years. And I'm also so grateful for the Wesley Foundation and the university because I don't know what I'd do without them. They are our children's people, and they are our youth volunteers. And with their help and their amazing gifts, we were able to grow the ministry, and now we are having 40 kids wow. um, on Sundays, which is super exciting. And I love they're so mission minded and have a heart for the community um, as well as they they shock me all the time. I tell them it sounds like you went to seminary when we talk about the Bible and stories about Jesus. They just seem to get it and they really listen and are applying it already. Um, and I can see that in 12 year olds. And I think that is such an amazing witness. It is amazing. And, you know, anybody who's done youth ministry uh, realizes that um, in most cases, that is where the bulk of your youth come yeah. from the middle school area and it's a uh, difficult difficult age it is difficult but they're also wonderful so yeah they trade it for the world there's a, a, a lot to be said for that group and uh, you know my son is now doing this at Boone United Methodist and working with seventh graders and uh, as a college student and you know they're frustrating and at the same time they're bright as they can be mm -hmm. and uh, ready to take it all in and I think, you know, uh, this is how the church uh, continues to renew itself is, uh, with middle schoolers. Yes. Um, it may be the reason I have no hair these days. And, <laughs> and at the same time, um, I, I couldn't think of anything I'd rather do in right. the church and work with them and to have 40 kids now. Yeah. Yeah. Bless you on Sunday evening. I know. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's a lot of work to have forty uh, middle school kids running wild. Yes, it is. It's a fun thing. So, anything else you want to say? We just have a minute left. Well, I'm just grateful you invited me on. I'm always excited to let people hear a voice of a deacon, um, and I'm so grateful that I have an appointment where we are able to live out the call of Jesus in our lives, and that I am able to live into my orders in a way that I feel God is calling me to be. So I'm just grateful for where I am and grateful for you for inviting me, Mike. Well, we're grateful for you and your ministry here in uh, the Smoky Mountain District, and I look forward to hearing more about it in the future and with your parents behind me in the pew. <laughs> yes. It's guaranteed I'm going to hear about it. Yes, you're going to hear. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for giving your time, Julia, and we look forward to hearing more uh, from you in the future. Thanks, everyone, for listening to us on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, the show will be available as a podcast on our Blog Talk page and on the show's website. And you can keep up with the latest there at umconnect.info. And we'll be back next week connecting United Methodists and their stories. Thanks to our sponsors, the Western North Carolina Conference and the United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina. You can find out more about them on the sponsors section of the website, umconnect.info. I'm Michael Rich, and you've been listening to Connect.